0: Take our Bibles this evening. Second Samuel twenty-three. If you're new to the church, you're a first-time returning visitor. Welcome to Heritage Baptist Church. We're delighted you're here. We pray that you'll find this church to be a place of blessing and resource to you. Second Samuel twenty-three. While you're turning there, I'd like to ask that you make a note to be in prayer for Gerald and Jessica. Uh, they are tying the knot at the later at uh, the end of this week. Here, we're going to be marrying them, and we're thankful for another young couple that's serving the Lord there. So you give them your greetings on that. Let them know you'll be praying for them. Pray for the ceremony on on saturday for uh, they, uh, there's many lost relatives they have they're gonna be hearing the gospel during that that ceremony so you pray for that that god will bless that now if we have a neighbor next to you that doesn't have a bible would you be would you be kind enough to share your bible with them and help them find their spot there in second samuel 23. Second samuel 23 scroll down with me to verse 8 <clears throat> these be the names of the mighty men whom david had the tacmanite that sat in the seat Chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against eight hundred whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eliezer the son of Dodo, the Aohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were that were there gathered together uh, to battle, and the men of Israel gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. We find the name Eleazar, this man, mentioned here in Second Samuel 23 and also in First Chronicles 11. We find this man is listed there with a number of men who are known as David's mighty men. They're part of the part of the special forces of Israel. I don't know if you've ever done any study on. There's not a whole lot you'll find out about the special forces that we have in the United States. We know their names, and we know something about the fact that they're, uh, you know, they're they're in spy work, and lots of what we. But there's a lot we don't know about them. But what we do know that do know about them, we know they're special forces, they're elite, they're they're the way they're trained. I had a privilege many many years ago to. Do a tour of the Navy SEALs facility down there in San Diego, and they, hold, they don't really tell you a whole lot of things about them. They just have you see a couple of videos and show you up in the tower where they go into the water, the water tank where they train there, and show you the beach where they train out in the water. But that's about all they're going to show you. They're not going to tell you anything else because that's highly classified information. But tonight we're looking at the special forces of God, the special forces of Israel. And we're looking specifically at a man who was the number two man in David's elite forces. His name was the name of, by uh, the name of Eliezer. Tonight, would you notice his name means God my helper. Tonight that's the title of our message, God my helper. I mean, feel like tonight you need help from God, amen? I just need help to get out of bed in the morning, amen? <clears throat> How many feel that way, amen? Be be honest now. You're not right with God if you're not honest about that, amen. Hey, how me feel like you need help with God from God just in going through the day-to-day things, amen? Because if you feel and I feel we can handle on our own, then we're really telling God we don't need his help. My place in life, everything in my life I need help in. We need God as our helper in our homes. We need God as our helpers we read our Bibles. We need God to be our helper when we pray. This week I preached a missions conference. I didn't know anybody there. And I was a little, little, little concerned. The pastor and I met. I hadn't met the pastor before. When we've known each other, but we really hadn't met each other. And I came recommended to by one of his staff members. And, and uh, he said, you've got to have Brother Fong. you got to have Brother Fong. He said, he, and he said, hey, Pastor Fong. He said, one of my staff guys said, I've got to meet you. I've got to meet you, meet you. I don't know who you are. Who are you, Pastor Fong? I said, oh, boy, this is not off your good start. Amen. <clears throat> God is our helper. You're a young person. You need God as your helper. I'm worried and concerned about some of our young people. They're under huge loads of schoolwork. A number of our students can't be in church on Sunday nights because of the pressure of the schoolwork. You need God as your helper. You're going to make some decisions this year about things for God. And as we go into the 20th anniversary church, we're going to make some decisions. But we need God as our helper. And I want you to see some things tonight from 2 Samuel 23. God is our helper. Father, bless the scriptures tonight because we know that you said that your word will not return unto you void. I think the heart cry of everyone here this evening is we need you. We need you like we need to breathe. We need you just like right now is we need our heart to pump adequate amounts of blood throughout our body. Eliezer's name means God my helper. Lord, this church would not be where it's at right now if God you weren't our helper. Whatever success any of us think we have, we would not have that success if Lord you weren't our helper. I pray this evening we die to self. Your flesh will be crucified. I pray this evening that as you breathed life into Adam and made him a living soul, we need you, Lord, to breathe in our lives today. We're like balloons that have been deflated. Some of our lives are at a place spiritually. We're depleted. We need you to breathe life, these dry, dead old bones tonight. Revive us again, I pray. Store our hearts about the Lord. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible tells us that David had mighty men, 30 elite men who comprised the military soldiers of David's army. As mighty men, these men were noted for their devotion, for their deeds, their courage, and their faith. We have some insight about these men as far as how they first came along. David, we read about these men coming to David in 1 Samuel 22. David was at a low point in his life. David was hiding out in a place called the Cave of Adullam. He was running from Saul. There in the Cave of Adullam, he thought if he could hide in that darkness, he would hide away from all of his problems, his difficulties. And lo and behold, the Bible tells us that 400 men came to him. 400 men that have been trained with David as part of the military elite of Saul's army. And for whatever reason, it could be that when David was captain of uh, one of the captains of of, of Saul's army, it could be that uh, David trained these men, he had some influence on them, and maybe these men disagreed with the fact that Saul was treating, treating David wrong and had it all wrong about David and... These men came by faith to the cave of Adullam. They found out some intelligence information that David was there, and they found their way there. And it's kind of interesting about these 400 men. The Bible described them as distressed, in debt, and discontented. I'm not sure that's the kind of army I want to have, amen? Distressed and in debt, discontented. It sounds like an independent Baptist church, amen? But these men, they respected David for what he did and who he was. They never got their minds off the fact that David went to the battlefield while they were there with King Saul. And every day the giant Goliath came out there, had a battlefield called Ephiz-Domin And he shouted out, send me your best man. Send me a man out here. And the man, if he could defeat me, we become your servants. But if I defeat him, you will be our servants. And for 40 days, this giant went out there and uttered the same challenge. And nobody responded to that challenge. Until a young man by the name of David showed up. Always amuses me every time I read this story because David didn't go to that battlefield to go fight a giant. He was just sent there on a menial task. He just went there to deliver some bread and some cheese and to greet his brothers and see how they were doing and bring back a good report to his father. Let me just say this evening, you never know that something very small, how God can use that to elevate you in his presence. And God took that young man who was not in soldier's garment. He didn't have the right shoes on. He wasn't in soldier's gear. He didn't even have a shield. He didn't have a sword with him. All he had was a sling and uh, and a pouch next to him. He went out there and he heard this giant utter this cry. He said it. He decided, I'm going to fight this giant. I'm going to take him head on. And he did. He took out the giant Goliath. Those men never forgot out of their minds of sight David walking back to the city Holding the head of Goliath in his hand And people were asking the question Whose son is this and whose son is this And later on the maidens of Israel were walking down may, uh, Doing a celebration And they're singing something like this Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his ten thousand. One of those men cheered and they applauded, Thinking man we've got a new hero in town We fast forward down to 2 Samuel 23 And Samuel took time to record the names of these 30 men. You know, if I was one of those 30 men, I'd just be glad that my name was there. But Samuel went beyond that. described the deeds of some of these men. And we need to be careful as we study these deeds. We would think as we read about Adino the Esnai that these men did it in their power. I want to tell you tonight, they didn't do it in their power. Listen was about them it was about God. About God using these men and God, and by the way, God wants to use you and God wants to use me. And So we look at this man in number two on the list here. And there's some things I could say in verse, verse eight about Adino. I'm not going to focus time on Adino tonight. Maybe another time. Maybe on a God morning devotion. The Bible says in verse nine, and after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahoide. I want you to see some traits about this man, Eliezer. I want you to see some things tonight that's a little bit different from something I've preached in the past. I want you to see some things about Eliezer that stands out about a man whose name is God is my helper. Notice number one tonight, we see Eliezer stayed. Eliezer stayed. We don't know anything about his beginning. We don't know anything about his ending, but what, what does matter, we know something about his life. People are not going to ask about your beginning, and some people may not ask about your ending, but people will want to know about your life. They want to know, what did you do with your life? Notice Eliezer state. The Bible says in verse 9 that uh, Eliezer, after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Aoi, one of the three mighty men. Notice this, with David. It's kind of interesting. We're introduced to the three mighty men to stand out in David's army. One was the, by the name of Adino. And the other one was this man by the name of Eliezer. And after Eliezer was a man by the name of Shama. And we'll see Shama and Eliezer have a lot of similarities. These were the top three men in David's elite military forces here. And you know, I don't know about you, but every time I read verse 8, and I read about Adino the Esna, it amazes me about a man who had a spear and at one standing he slew 800 men. I don't know about you, but 800 men a lot of men. I took my family out to eat for just a bite real quickly for lunch this, this afternoon and they had the Raiders game on. The Raiders were playing, I think, Miami there. And I just was trying to imagine, I was thinking about the message for just a moment. I imagined those, those big muscular men that were on the field and I thought about the offense and the defense and I thought about that. I thought, man, just, just a running back trying to face the, all these guys in the opposition. That's enough there. But can you imagine one man standing by himself with one spear? The spear did not break on him and he took on 800 men and defeated them on the battlefield. Can you imagine how long that took? Can you imagine how weary he got? Can you imagine the strain on his back and the strain on his mind? Can you imagine how multi, how much this man had to be multitasking, be worried about the guy in front of him and the guy to the side of him, the guy behind him, and just keep on twirling? I mean, can you imagine what this man was capable of doing to take down 800 men? I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. Amen? We find here in chapter 23, verse 9, we find that Eliezer, son of Dodo, was one of the mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines. Now, we need to plug in some holes there. We've got to go to 1 Chronicles 11 and verse 13. It tells us that they were at this location called Pasdamin. You want to write that down. Pasdamin is either known as Pasdamin or Ephesdamin. It was the same location where David Confronted the giant by the name of Goliath. Isn't that very interesting? The very same place where David proved himself to be the future king of Israel. It was the same place that Eliezer later on, many years later, would confront this this, this opposition of the Philistines. Pasdamin means the edge of blood or the boundary of blood. Pasdamin means it was it was located 16 miles southwest of Jerusalem. It's interesting we read here that in 1 Chronicles 11, there was also a barley field there. It was a location that was famous for the fact that David had defeated the giant the giant Goliath. I'm not sure and I can't prove it, but I kind of wonder when the Philistines gathered there that maybe something triggered in Eliezer's mind and he was inspired by the thought going back many years before of how David confronted the giant Goliath that took him down and came the Nash, hero, and I, I kind of think maybe that inspired him for just a moment. But I'm not sure if that really was it, because the Bible says here in Second Samuel 23 that the Philistines, they, they met there, and it was there that the Israelites, actually led by Eliezer, they defied the Philistines. The Philistines came to take that barley field that was there. You know anything about matters of war? Enemies always study the landscape. They want to know where are your resources. They want to know where your food supply is. They want to know where your water supply is. And they study. They said, "Listen, if we can take their barley field, we can weaken them." We can, and they did that many times with Jerusalem. We read about that in Hezekiah in our study a few weeks ago, where the the Assyrians, excuse me, the Assyrians came in. And they wanted to cut off the water supply. They couldn't have the water supply they'd get them. We know later on, later on when the Babylonians came into rule under Nebuchadnezzar, they cut off the water supply and ultimately cut off the food supply. And Israel was going through a great famine because there was nothing they could grow outside of the walls of Jerusalem. And so the Philistines come, and they're there to conquer this barley field. They're just thinking systematically, we're going to take one barley field after the other. We're going to go after the barley fields and the wheat fields and the corn fields. We're going to affect their food supply. We're going to get their their water supply. We realize we have battle after battle, but we need to weaken Israel. And they came out there, and the Bible tells us something very interesting. While the men of Israel were there, when the Philistines came in, all the men of Israel left, and the only one there left was David and Eliezer. Notice what the Bible says here that the man was there with David. Eliyahu well, stayed. Notice he stayed at his location. The Bible says it specifically this way: the men of Israel were gone away. In verse nine, the Bible says in 1 Chronicles eleven thirteen, he was with David at Pasdamim, and there the Philistines were gathered together to battle, whereas a parcel ground full of barley it was barley season time. And the people fled from before the Philistines. The people fled before them. The people just decided, there's too many Philistines. This barley field is, isn't worth protecting. This barley field isn't worth us preserving. Let's just leave it alone. We don't care about it. So at one time, right before that time, everybody was concerned about that barley field and everyone was concerned about preserving it. But when the Philistines came and the pressure came and the problems came, they decided to leave. But not Eliezer. He saw that King David was there defending it. David decided the barley field was worth defending and the barley field was worth keeping and David was fighting and Eliezer looked around him with all his colleagues and everybody else ran away. He decided, listen, they may run, but I'm going to stay. Can I tell you something today? You need to stay. You need to stay. It's so easy for us to leave. We live in a day and environment. Nobody stays in anything. They never stay in one city for a long period of time. They never stay in a ministry for a long period of time. They never stay in church for a long period of time. They don't stay in their marriages for a long period of time. Everybody has this idea. I've got to move to this and move to that. Hey, we need some old-fashioned resilience tonight where we just stay at what we do. Christianity is determined many times when we're under pressure. Eliezer said, this barley field is worth defending. I'm going to stay. Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.3, As I besought you to bide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some. They teach no other doctrine. Hey, listen, Timothy didn't want to stay at Ephesus. (coughs) Paul described his journeys there, that he said, I fought with the beasts at Ephesus. He had to deal with false teachers. He had to deal with people that were against him. He had to deal with hostile Jews. But listen, he stayed with him. And when Timothy became pastor there, Timothy was getting a little bit queasy about staying there. And he said, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1.3, I besought thee to bide still at Ephesus. He was telling Timothy, stay at Ephesus. He told Titus, for this cause left I thee in Crete, Now thou should have said, in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. He stayed in this occasion. Can to help you tonight. You might feel like you want to quit. You might feel like it's not worth staying here. I want to encourage you tonight to stay in the church and stay at prayer and stay in your Bible. I want to encourage you tonight to stay at soul you. I want to encourage you tonight to stay in your faith promise support. I want to encourage you tonight to stay with the 1K offering. I want to encourage you tonight to stay on top of things for the Lord. You say I've been saved for a long time and I'm getting tired. I'm very busy. I know we're busy. I know we've got a lot of things going on. I want to commend you as a church this past Sunday. A lot of work and involvement, things went into the preparation for the great musical presence. But it wasn't about the music. It was about Jesus getting lifted up. Stay. My friends are leaving. Stay. One of my friends died in the Bible. You stay in the Bible. Stay. Stay. At First Baptist Church in Milford, great church. Brother Daniel's been there for a children workers' conference. You can't help but drive up on that campus there. And it's a just like, just whoa. The sin of covetousness has started coming upon me, man. 55 acres of land. Man, you drive up, Brother Dan, you've seen it. You drive up there, you see this massive church building. It's about a 1,000-seat auditorium. Massive building with a steeple and all that. And right in front of it is this beautiful pond. And it's not, it looks like a little lake. And the waterfowl coming coming. And I started coming. I said, man, I'd like to have that right in our church right now, Amen. you know. They got this massive building where Barry Precious City prints their Bibles. I think they print something like 15 million New Testaments and Bibles a year. They have a building on the other end right next to that's for their children's ministry, and just walking around the building, everything's so nicely kept, and they've got a they've got a Bible college here called Baptist School, of World Evangelization, and all of that was there. But I think the thing that impressed me more than the buildings and more than the printing press, all that. I tell you what impressed me there. As I got to meeting member after member after member, the most impressive thing that touched my heart is people that have stayed in that church. Can I tell you something tonight? You're going to get hurt along the way. You're going to get offended along the way. Someone's going to fail you. Someone's going to disappoint you. Something doesn't materialize the way you want it. It's not, hey listen, things don't happen. They're just not picture perfect. But I'm going to encourage you tonight. Just stay at what you're doing. Amen. Amen. Choir and orchestra, you worked really hard. By the way, church, be thankful for your choir and orchestra. They have worked really hard this year. They've given up a lot of Saturdays. They've practiced very hard. I'll be honest with you. Their voice, it's more than their voice is tired. Their bodies are tired. We just finished the last recording for our brass and they did a great job this weekend getting all that done and we're praying for the CD to come out to, by January of next year, January, February of next year so we have something we can put into your hands to be an encouragement to you and, and we want to give thousands of those out to people so that those CDs are in people's homes and they have a, they can listen to the CD and get the gospel on that. But I'm going to tell you, our choir and orchestra have worked very hard, but maybe you might be thinking as a choir member, I'm getting too old for this. Hey, just stay in the choir, amen? Stay in the orchestra. Some used to be busy coming to Sewin. He used to give me one Saturday a month and give the Lord two Saturdays a month. Let me tell you, but you've gotten busy, so many things? can I encourage you? Stay at Sowin for the Lord. He stayed at his location. Notice something else. Notice in verse nine, he also stayed with his leader. David was king. David already made up his mind. It doesn't matter if anybody else stays. I believe in this barley field. I'm going to keep this barley field. Listen, I'm a little bit concerned. I've been hearing some ripple effects and some undercurrents in some of our Bible colleges and places where they're saying things like we have that the Bible translation is less than King James and less than inspired and less than preserved. I'm a little bit concerned about the drift that's going on with our millennial generation, questioning our procedures, questioning our practices, questioning what we do. Let me tell you tonight stay with your leader. Jesus never never. never fails and jesus never changes listen don't you go up to some school somewhere and i don't care where instead of a higher learning i don't care who's behind it if they start drifting you need to decide to call your pastor up like some have done and say pastor this is what i'm hearing and because i'm going to tell you to come home and come back and stay where the bible is still being preached you say well you say my friends are going to an esv version niv version let them go but you stay in the kjv Stay for this leader. David said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna forsake it. If I'm the only one that fights it, I fought, I fought in this field before. I fought Goliath. I don't mind finding these men. It might cost me my blood, but I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna tell you tonight, you young couples getting married and you getting started and things are happening and flowing and all the blessings of God are coming and it's gonna be very easy for you to fall to the temptation that I can skip here and skip there. But I'm gonna encourage you tonight, you stay faithful in your married life as you did in your single life. Eliezer stayed with his leader. He stayed with David. You know, Jesus is pleased when he has to some people just staying with him. Amen. Say faithful to the Lord. Staying faithful in his word. Staying faithful with Jesus. There. Hey, just realize Jesus knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. He's looking for some brothers and sisters in Christ. Some men and women of a church like this who just decide they're going to stay with Jesus and what they're doing. Hey, stay in your dedication. Amen. Stay in your decisions for the Lord. Eliezer took his stand next to David. He, like the other men, did some incredible feats. Eliezer could have been critical and blamed David for the people running away. Because the first thing that happens when people run away, the first thing people do is they start thinking, well, it must be David's fault. The Eliezer could have succumbed to peer pressure and also run away. And Eliezer could have been selfish and said, it's not my field, let it go. That's how a lot of us are. It's not my ministry. If something doesn't go right in the nursery, it's not my ministry. Listen, it is your ministry. You need to stay in that ministry for the Lord tonight. Amen. Listen, problems happen. Things are not perfect. We work with people. There's all these different things that are in motion. But listen, we, we bring it into harmony. It's just like a good orchestra. We bring it into harmony by just staying in what we do. Couples sometimes, they get all upset about each other that he didn't do this and she didn't do that and their marriages are gone. They have a cold war in their marriages. Can I tell you something that works for your marriage? Stay in your marriage. Stay faithful to God. Pray for one another. Always think good things about one another. Don't think evil things about one another. Stay with his leader. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. Hey, stay with the leader. Stay with Jesus. Stay with Jesus if your family and friends flee away. Stay with Jesus if it means you're in the minority. Stay with your leader. Stay with your pastor. Stay with your Sunday school teacher. But listen, stay with us as long as we stay with the Lord. When we get away from the Lord, don't, don't go follow us. You better start following the Lord. Amen. Eliezer stayed. Can I say something tonight? Eliezer was not into hero worship. Sometimes some people read this passage of Scripture. So, oh, he's all into hero worship. He wasn't into hero worship. He just understood that he had a king, he had a leader he needed to follow. He knew his rank and order what to follow. Eliezer, I believe, as I read this passage of Scripture, I believe he was, a better, uh, he was a better swordsman than David. Yeah, because we don't read about David a whole lot that he does a lot with a sword. We know what he could do with the sling and so forth. And I think David was good with the sword. But the profile tonight, the spotlight is on Eliezer. Eliezer was exceptionally good with the sword. However, he used his sword to help and not to hurt he used a sword alongside of David not against David Eliezer did not join join David to usurp his authority and lead a rebellion he joined David to come alongside of him for a time just as one just as the one we're studying right now he said listen God has equipped me with this sword I'm going to use that sword for the glory of God listen if God has given you the gift of teaching and you have a responsibility for teaching you decide you're going to put everything you can don't wait till midnight the midnight time of Saturday night you're going to prepare your lesson you decide that week before two weeks before you're going to start reading the passage that's the Holy Spirit of God to give you enlightenment and you start texting us to ask can you give me some insight and tools and you decide when you stand up there for that 20 or 30 minutes you're going to give the best lesson of your life because you're staying right by that lesson Eliezer stayed but notice secondly would you notice Eliezer's sword the Bible says in verse 10 he rose and smote the Philistines till his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword and the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil Notice that verse, he arose and smote the Philistines. If you stopped there, you would think he did it barehanded. If you stop there, you'd wonder, what did he use as his apparatus? But the Bible tells us something more. It gives a very, very broad commentary. It says, he rose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. We see Eliezer used a sword. He was familiar with the sword. He had a sword. that he Notice his familiarity with the sword. He knew his sword. He knew his sword well. He knew what his sword could do. By the way, I'm going to ask you tonight, look up here. Do you know what your sword can do? He kept his sword sharpened and clean. He kept his sword well oiled. He kept his sword always by his side. He always was ready for battle. He didn't use his sword against people that were with him. He used his sword only against the enemies that were against the things of God. Hey, how well do you know your sword? You know what a sword could do. I fear for some of us who don't memorize our Bible and don't meditate on the Word of God and don't read the Scriptures and just casually look over it and you spend your time reading the our daily bread thinking that's going to give you some kind of devotion or you read morning Even by Spurgeon thinking that's going to give you devotion. I'm thankful for all of that but I'm going to tell you today that's not the same as spending time with your sword. Didn't hear a lot of amenities about that. Never parted with the sword. By the way, can I give you a thought here? He was undefeated with the sword. Amen. He was familiar with the sword. Notice his fatigue and his sword. He rose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. Have you ever used a jackhammer? Anybody used a jackhammer? What happens after a period of time? Right. Have I mean, you ever taken a hammer? You don't do it all the time. You're not like a carpenter or, or, or contract a contractor. And you're hammering away. You're sawing away. And after a time, you're just like this. Your hand's like this, right? It doesn't mean you've got Parkinson's disease. Amen? This man was in battle. and It's kind of interesting. The Scriptures don't even tell us how many men he slew. But it tells us that he wrought a great victory for, the Lord wrought a great victory through him, and the Bible tells us that, it, that his hand grew weary while he was fighting with the Philistines. I imagine that after a period of time, he started feeling cramps in his forearm. Imagine over a period of time His arms started to shake Imagine over a period of time His hand was hurting I imagine there were times or moments The temptation in his mind I just want to drop the sword I just want to let it go I don't want to keep on fighting I want to let it go and I think there were the moments of time That he thought Listen, I'm just getting tired Of clashing this way And clashing that way And going behind me I think he got to that place Where he got very weary The Bible says That as he arose And smote the Philistines Until his hand grew weary He got tired He got weary He was worried about this. Let me tell you tonight You're going to get to the Christian life where there are going to be times you're just weary. You're going to be weary of serving. You're going to be weary of reading. You're going to be weary of coming to church. Hey, don't get tired of those things. Just let your hand cleave to the sword. Amen? You're weary from going so many you get wary of hearing strong Bible preaching. You get wary of studying and teaching that Sunday school class. You get wary of going to choir and orchestra rehearsal. You get wary of being in submission. You get choir of saying yes sir, yes ma'am. You get quiet, tired of just living for God. You get tired of driving people to church. You get tired of the preacher always checking to see if you're doing okay. By the way, that's a good thing when a preacher checks to see if you're doing okay, man. After a while you get tired of serving the nursery, you get tired of being an usher, you get tired of giving the tithe and giving the offerings to the Lord. Hey, I'm just saying tonight, it's just, it's just a, it's a human thing, it's a sinful thing on top of that, but we just get weary, we get tired, but be not weary well doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. The Bible says he rose and smote the Philistine until his hand was weary. We see his familiarity with the sword. We see his fatigue in the sword. But you notice his firmness with the sword? What did you do? What did he do? What do you do when your hand is shaking? Your hand is weary. When you're tired, your mind is getting the best of you. You feel like you're fainting. You want to drop the ball. You want to drop the sword. You want to drop what you're doing. What do you do when you're weary with criticism? What are you doing when you're weary of problems and you're weary of being criticized and always been looked down upon? What are you doing all those things? Hey, you do like Eliezer did. The Bible says his hand clave to the sword. The word clave is the same word we get our word cleave from in Genesis 2.24. When he says his hand claimed to the sword, he became one with his sword. His hand assumed the grip and the position and the formation of the sword. His hand assumed the same grip as the sword. He became one with his sword. He decided, I'm not going to let go of this sword. He decided that his hand would be glued to the sword. His hand was literally fused to the sword. Listen, he got to the place that his hand was so weary, he gripped that sword handle so tightly that nobody could pry his fingers off it. Hey, can I say it to you tonight, we need some Christians this evening who have gripped that word, the word Word of God so tightly that nobody can pry that Bible out of your hands. You ought to have such a conviction about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and about the inspired Word of God, about winning souls to Christ, about missions. You ought to have such a conviction about going to church and serving the Lord and making a different community that no one can pry those convictions out of your fingers tonight. Amen. I became one with the sword. His hand grew weary, but his hand claved to the sword. I'm saying tonight, some of us got a loose grip on some things tonight. I'm saying tonight, some of us have a have a loose understanding of what we're doing. We have a loose grip. Hey, it's time to get your hand and clave tightly to the sword. Become one with the things of God. Become one with the vision. Become one with reaching soul. Become one with the Word of God. Just say tonight, you're going to assume the shape and the grip of what Jesus wants you. By the way, I read something about that in the Bible. It says, be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't need to be a wannabe or look alike of somebody else. Just be like Jesus. Amen? The yeah, yeah. battle got, got very long. And the battle got very tiring. Can you imagine the perspiration? Can you imagine those moments where in his mind, he's thinking of the pain in his arm. He's thinking, I just feel like I want to quit. As the minutes went by, as the battle grew more intense, he assumed a stronger grip on that sword. I tell you tonight, the stronger your grip, the more likely you're going to stay in the fight. You want to be victorious in Christian life. You want to win the race. You want to defeat the enemy. Let your hand cleave to the sword. By the way, Eliezer trusted his sword. You trust your sword? Huh? You trust your sword? Do you trust the God of the sword? Can you imagine how many hours Eliezer spent in private practicing that sword? I mean, you don't, know, you, know, you know, he was courageous just for the fact his father's name was Dodo, amen? You know? I mean, can you imagine, Gordon was a kid, his father's name, he's Eliezer, son of Dodo. Man, he started to get picked on. He said, listen, I'm not going to let them pick on me. But that didn't make him famous, amen? He spent a lot of hours in practice with that sword. He learned what that sword could do. He knew all the capabilities of that sword. And when it was time to go to battle, when David needed someone to come alongside him, God couldn't have put the best man next to Benny man better than Eliezer because he knew what that sword could do. And God knew this. He knew I could put a man there in that barley field to protect that barley field with King David because that man's hand would cleave to the sword. I'm going to tell you, when it comes time for thick and thin, when it comes time to trials and difficulties, the people are going to stay by the stuff are the people whose hand to the sword. Are you one with your sword? And by the way, Eliezer knew this. Got a Philistine here and a Philistine there and a Philistine there and a Philistine. They just keep on coming. Then he's got to look behind them. He knew one thing. If I part with this sword, I'm in big trouble. Huh? You part with this sword, you're in big trouble. You try to win people to Christ without the sword, you are in big trouble. You try to influence people with your personality. Without the sword, we are in big trouble. Gerald and Jessica, you guys can going to get married this week. Once you decide before Saturday comes, your hands are going to clave tightly to the sword. You face trials and afflictions, and you will. Your hand needs to cleave to the sword. You're attacked and falsely accused. Your hand needs to cleave to the sword. You get weary and tired. You need to hold tightly to that sword. You're tempted to quit and throw in the towel. Something outside seems a little bit more tempting. Hold tightly to the sword. We see Eliezer stayed. Eliezer's sword. but you notice the last thing tonight? We're done. Look at verse 10 again. Did you notice Eliezer's sufficiency? He rose and smote the Philistines till his hand was weary. And his hand clave in the sword. And notice this next phrase. The Lord wrought a great victory that day. Now, that's the part that amazes me. It's not about Eliezer. It's God, God did it. Amen. The Lord wrought a great victory that day. God gave him a great victory. And it's very interesting to note that we're not told the number of men he slew because, you know, that's inconsequential. If we were told in this passage of Scripture for Eliezer, if we were told how many men he slew, we would give the credit to Eliezer instead of to God. Remember I mean, remind you tonight, Eliezer's name means God is my helper. God helped him on the battlefield. God helped him to have the courage. God helped him to take the stand with David. God helped him to stand when everybody else fled away. He took his stand with David because he said... God is my helper. May I encourage you tonight, if you're going to make it in life, if you're going to go the next level of the Christian life, you need God as your helper tonight. That was his sufficiency. The Lord wrought a great victory that day. It wasn't Eliezer that wrought the great victory. Don't take credit for yourself, and don't give credit to the pastor, and don't give credit to the deacons, and don't give credit to some staff, don't give credit to anybody. All the glory and praise goes to Jesus Christ. The Lord wrought a great victory. Listen, if it's one soul saved or a hundred souls saved, the Lord is going to wrought a great victory. Listen, tonight, there are a couple of things I want to tell you this evening. Number one, I want to encourage you to start praying very diligently about the 1K offering. I'm going to give you some dates next week, some dates, a date in November, a date in December, a date in January. I want you to pray about what the Lord will do in your life to bring a great victory, that if we can find 400 people in the church, and bring a minimum $1,000 offering for the debt reduction of this new building, that would be such a blessing and honoring to God. But listen, if we're going to do that, it's not of what we can do. The Lord must wrought that great victory. And then as we're getting ready for another aspect of our fall campaign on Sunday, uh, October 28th that we have a great thing happening. We've designated that as our friend day. We moved it down from the 21st to the 28th. On Sunday the 28th, we're going to have a great friend day that day. We have evangelist Tom Farrell come in. He's one of God's great men of this generation. Brother Farrell will come that morning. I'm going to have him preach a friend day service. We're praying that we'll pack this place out. We'll have overflow. We'll pray we'll have all over the place. We'll have an overflow in every one of our departments there. A people coming in to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that God will give us a large number of people that will receive Jesus as Savior. And then we go from there, starting Sunday night, we go into our fall revival meetings, and I can't think of a better servant of God to come to bring the Word of God just during that period of time than Brother Tom Farrell. But I'm saying tonight, we've got to get into the midst of this and realize it's going to be God that's going to have to do some things. We're going to have to get on our knees and crawl on our knees and beg God to do some things in our life. Listen, we can do all that we can, and we can plot it out and strategy. but there comes a period of time we've got to plan something bigger than us and beyond us and trust God that God God's going to wrought the victory for us. These sufficiency was God. The pastor asked me this week, he said, where'd you get your training? I said, the school of baptism and fire by the Holy Ghost. Amen. You ask our staff guys. Their best training wasn't in Bible cards. Their best training is firing the Holy Ghost. Did you notice his sufficiency was his strength? How do you explain what he did in verse 10? It wasn't Eliezer, it was God. Amen? Now, he didn't get tired, he didn't get weary, he probably got frustrated. I'm sure just like you and me, there were just moments where maybe seconds, fleeting seconds. He thought, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to drop the sword and run away. But he didn't. Because God was his helper. Sometimes for some of us who get a little bit older in life, our bodies are aching and we're hurting and our minds are fuzzy. And sometimes the pressures in life and the and the financial pressures and the anxieties, all this it can be so hard on us. We feel like we want to quit. But man, this man, his sufficiency was his strength. He found out the secret to his life was let, letting God be the strength. Of life. I'm so appreciative. Brother Danny had no idea he was going to preach this message tonight. But he chose Isaiah chapter 40 verses 28 to 30 to read about that. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Psalms 18.22 It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. Psalms 18.39 For thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle Thou hast subdued under me uh, of Those that rise up against me Psalms 27.1 I love this The Lord is my light and my salvation Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalms 71.16 I will go in the strength of the Lord God I will be him of thy righteousness Even thine only We we saw Isaiah 40.31 uh, Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ Which strengthen me Colossians 1.11 Strength with all might According to His glorious power And all patience And long service. I'm just saying tonight listen, Eliezer's sufficiency was his strength. Your sufficiency is not you, it's not your degree, it's not your acumen, it's not your possession. Any sufficiency we have is all of the Lord. It's his strength. His sufficiency was his strength, but you notice his sufficiency was his secret. The Lord wrought a great victory that day. Imagine those Philistines getting toppled one after one after one after one. And some probably looked on the Philistine side and said, hey, that guy is pretty good. And some probably looked and said, man, we need a swordsman like him. And some probably looked at him and said, how did this guy even make it? he looked look at all these philistines. He said, listen, the secret to this man was the Lord. And listen, any secret you and I have, if anything can be explained, is the Lord Jesus Christ working your behalf and mine. All the greatly used men of God and women of God, the secret of their ability was God. Joshua's secret was not Joshua as a soldier. It was that God was his, God was his commander. You look at Caleb at 85 years of age, he claiming his mountain. His secret was God. Gideon with his, his army being decimated by God. God did a size reduction from 10,000 down to 300. And with 300, he had to face 100,000 million. His secret wasn't Gideon because Gideon didn't even... Listen, Gideon wouldn't even be on your radar screen or my radar screen. Somebody we would put on our army. Nevertheless, God used him. I think of Samson. Samson, he told, he was being asked for the secret of his strength. He said, listen, I can't tell you that. Otherwise, I'll be like other men. Can I tell you something? I, when we tell people what the secret of our strength is, we become like other men. By the way, if you've experienced God's power, you experience the fullness of the Spirit in your life, you don't want to become like other men. Elijah's secret was God. Elijah's secret was God. Daniel's secret was God. Peter's secret was God. Paul's secret was God. I'm saying tonight, the sufficiency that he had in the Lord was the secret to his power. Uh, listen, I talk about Rick Martin a lot. We just got another letter from Rick Martin. The secret to his sufficiency is in God himself there. I said what God's doing with some of our mysteries around the world. Terry Unroom, Rick Martin, and Jerry Wine, and so many other men I could tell you about tonight. I wish I had time to talk about them. The Bible says the Lord wrought a great victory. Notice this tonight in verse 10. And the people returned after him only to spoil. All these people had doubts about the barley field. They didn't have any trust in it. They ran away and then they look up and they see all these Philistines on the ground and Eliezer standing with the sword in his hand. And right next to him was his king and his commander was King David. And guess what? The people came back for the spoils. It's how it is in life. The people that desert you, when things are going good, they'll come back alongside Sandy and they'll say something like See, we did it together, didn't we? I like Eliezer's spirit. Because that was some of us, we'd say, well, where were you when I needed you? He didn't do that. He said, I'm glad that God could use me to do this so we could save this property for the Lord. God's looking for some Eliezers tonight. Some of us are, used to hold that sword very tight, but it's a little loose in our grip. Some of us used to serve with great fervency, but we've gotten a little loose with it. Some Eliezer's tonight. Some Eliezer's that'll stay. Some Eliezer's that'll hold tightly to the sword. Some Eliezer's who realize their sufficiencies of the Lord you be an Eliezer tonight? Should the Lord work in you? Would you decide you're going to be somebody that God can trust and God can use? Would you defend that barley field? Would you decide tonight, I'm not going to leave that barley field for the devil to take. I'm going to claim that barley. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to stay with Jesus all the way. Everybody else might forsake me. The laws might change. All these things might happen. But I'm going to stay with Jesus. Eliezer, the Bible says, his hand grew weary, but his hand to the sword. Would you hold tightly to God, hold tightly to Jesus, hold tightly to his word and say tonight, I'm going to have a firm grip on the things of God. Father, tonight we ask this evening as we look at this life of the man by the name of Eliezer, would you help us tonight to tighten our grip, to assume the shape of the handle of the sword? To be fused with and glued with and one with the sword and one with God. And Lord, having our hearts encouraged. And Lord, the secret to Eliezer's life was his sufficiency was of God. Help us to realize tonight that as we go along, there's just some things bigger than us we can't handle. And whoever sufficiency we ever plan to have, our sufficiency must be of the Lord. The Bible says the Lord wrought a great victory that night. Lord, as I think about Eliezer and his sword and I think about his... His sufficiency. I think of tonight. What stands about Eliezer was his faith. He had faith in someone that was greater than him. And tonight, maybe someone here is not saved. They're, they've never put their faith and trust in your son, Jesus Christ, for their salvation so they can spend all of eternity in heaven. I wonder tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed. There's someone here tonight, you're not sure about heaven. Being 90% sure is not going to get you to heaven. Being 95% sure is not going to get you to heaven. Do you know for certain, are you 100% sure if you die today, you're going to heaven? If you don't, I extend the invitation to you this evening. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for your sins. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. In a moment, we're going to extend an invitation. An invitation is when we can exercise faith and call on Jesus to save us. Tonight, I'd love to be able to tell you, take you, and show you how you can be saved tonight. One of our staff, one of our deacons, one of our members tonight will love to take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Don't leave tonight without knowing for certain that heaven's your home. And then tonight, I would ask for a church that works very hard in serving God with all your heart. Has your grip gotten a little loose? Have you forgotten God is your helper? That whatever you are is not because of you, it's because of God. God's the one who works the victory. Why don't you decide tonight to just take some time at the altar and come with that sword God puts in your hand and that your hand would be one with that sword tonight. I find as you cleave to the sword, as you hold on, you must have firmness. You must be fused with it. Be familiar with it. Know it. If you're weary and tired, hey, everybody gets weary and tired, but let your hand cleave to the sword. Don't delay. The moment we'll give the invitation. If you need to get saved, Once you come and we'll show you how to be saved. You need to spend some time with God to just get your fire renewed and the breath of heaven on your life. Spend some time this, this evening to get that from the Lord. Now, Father, tonight, would you use the invitation to refresh, revive, work in our hearts. We pray for this now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's stand. Pastor AJ is going to sing. Have thine own ways. She sings. You need to come. You come this evening. Don't delay. You need to come tonight. Stay with your marriage. Stay in your studies. Stay faithful to God. Stay in the Word. Stay. Get a firm grip on. It. You get weary. Listen. We all get tired. We all get weary. But listen. The Bible says, "His head clave to the sword." You're at a place where you're over your head in things. Listen. Your sufficiencies of God. His sufficiency was His strength. His sufficiency was a secret. You're trying to go to the next level, what God wants you to do. Any sufficiency we're going to have must be from the Lord. Why don't you claim tonight that the Lord is the one who will give the victory, not you. Oh, victory in Jesus, not victory in me. I want to encourage you tonight. Would you take ownership with me on the 1K offering? We need 400 people to come alongside of that. Teenagers included. Trust God and find a way to come and present an offering that will glorify our Lord for this building. We have a friend day coming up. We ought to start praying right now about names. We're going to get in our hearts. And when we come to October 28th, we get to that day that we're going to have people there to hear the gospel. And Brother Farrell preaches that we'll see a large number of people trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Have that own way. Is God having His way? How tight is your grip on the Word? And a tight grip on it. Father, tonight, our heart's desires that you have your way with us. We ask this evening you help us to be like this man Eliezer. He was kind of a nobody until that day. We went to in a place where David had fought the giant Goliath. And there again, another confrontation. Lord, I wonder tomorrow morning if some of us are going to have another Pasdaman event. Another Pasdaman confrontation. And how, Lord, we need to just take some time and clave tightly to the sword and trust you in times of weariness. Help God give strength to everyone who's weary and tired. Help us as we heard tonight that they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up wings as eagles. They shall run and not go weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, this evening we pray for enablement and strength from the Lord. We pray this to be a week of great answered prayers. And a week, Lord, where devotion times are revived. And prayer time is extended. And we pray for it to be a week where we're challenged to extend courage and boldness in our witness for Christ. And and to accept the challenge to come with an offering that will glorify the Lord. And Lord, to have names on our list that will reach for Christ. And just to be faithful during the week pray that you lift the burdens of folks here tonight who Lord, our hearts are heavy and they're filled with anxiety. God, lift their burdens tonight. Thank you tonight, Lord, for this precious passage. Thank you, God, that we can look to you and our eyes upon you for your goodness and grace. May you be glorified in our lives. Father, dismiss us in a moment with the power of God and the blessed Lord. Bless this week with good health and strength. Use us for your glory. All of these things we commit to, we pray for, giving you thanks and glory in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people say, Amen.